Life Audio. God cannot use me. I've got a past and I make some really bad decisions. Have you ever thought either one of those things to yourself or maybe both? There's no way that God can use me. There's no way that my life can amount to anything. I might as well just give up, stay where I am and forget it because I've got a past. Some things that I'm not proud of that have happened to me or that I've done. And truth be told, I don't always make the best decisions. Today we're going to look at an example, an Old Testament example of a man who had a past, who God used in an amazing way, who made a really foolish decision, but teaches us how we can continue to move forward even when it seems like the very best decision we could make is to stay where we are and die. We're going to jump into that in just a moment. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Hello and welcome to the March or Die show today. Very glad to have you joining me and looking forward to uh, talking about a character in the Old Testament we don't hear a lot about, but one who I think teaches us uh, an incredible lesson on how we can move forward in our lives when it would be easier to stay where we are and die. Very glad to have you with me today. If you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, we're going to jump into this story in just a moment, but if you have not yet uh, subscribed, Not always easy to say subscribed. If you have not yet subscribed, please do that right now, wherever you're listening from. You have the opportunity to subscribe or to follow. Please go ahead and do that. And if you are subscribed, go ahead and uh, leave a comment, leave a rating. That helps the show get to a place where more people can hear it. And that would be fantastic as well. And then take some time, go over to jeremystalnicker.com, jeremystalnicker.com. That is my website, has all of my social contacts, other podcasts that I'm involved in. My blog is there. I'd love for you to check that out as well. I want to make it as easy as possible. You may be listening to this podcast while you're exercising or you're driving or whatever it is you're doing. Uh, You can do these two things. Hit subscribe or follow. And then when you get a chance, go to jeremystalnicker.com. And uh, I'd love to have you check that out. 
Life is crazy. We think about the the various situations we find ourselves in in life. And truth be told, right, we do a lot of dumb stuff. There are reasons we sometimes find ourselves in these difficult times in life. We make bad decisions. We trust people we shouldn't trust, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You have your your own series of bad decisions. I have mine. We don't always like to share those. Uh, but they're a reality. They're they're part of part of life. That's part of what it's about. Um, but if you take those bad decisions we are making or have made, and then you you add to those a past, and maybe you didn't come from the right place. Maybe you came from a, a difficult home situation, or maybe some things were done to you in your past that you would love to forget. They're very traumatic. You can't forget them. Maybe you did some things in the past that you would just rather no one ever know about, or maybe they found out about and you've had to deal with that and pay for it. Whatever the case, it is easy when we are at those, should I move forward or should I stay where I am kind of moments in our lives. It's easy to say either, look, I was never going to be successful anyhow because of where I came from, what I've done, what's in my past. There's no way I can find success anyhow. I might as well just stay here. It doesn't matter. Or (laughs) I'm not the best decision maker. I've done some dumb stuff that I'm not proud of. Uh, I'm just going to play it safe and stay where I am. The reality is that God has a plan for your life, just like he has a plan for mine. He has something he wants to accomplish in you and through you, just like he does for me. And what you're dealing with right now, your current circumstance, those do not make you a victim. What's happened to you in the past doesn't make you a victim. Things may have happened to you. You may have made bad decisions. But whatever those are, they do not define you. Who you are in Christ, who God has created you to be, your relationship with God through Jesus, those are the areas of definition in your life. You're defined by those. What's interesting to me, though, is that we can know that. We can believe that. We can say that God is bigger than my past. God is bigger than my bad decisions. God's bigger than all of that. But (laughs) we can know the truth and still live in a way that the truth has very little impact on our lives. What I want to encourage you with today is to know the truth that God's plan and God's purpose and God's power, his ability is much larger than all of that stuff that's keeping you from moving forward. I want you to believe that, but I want you to live in that. I want to live in it. I'm, if I'm honest, I have times often where I think this is probably about as good as it's going to (laughs) get. I can't move forward from here. I don't have anywhere to go from here. I have made some bad decisions. I put myself in some difficult situations. There are some things in my past I'm just not proud of. But I have to allow those to be part of my story, but not who I am in the story. I need to allow God to uh, be the one who defines who I am and where I can go. And then I need to decide to take the next step, to march when it would be easier to stay where I am and die. We have a great example in the Old Testament. Again, this is a a character in the Old Testament we don't often speak of. His name is Jephthah. 
Uh, if you're not familiar with Jephthah, don't worry. A lot of people are not. You may be vaguely familiar. If you've been around church for a while, you may be vaguely familiar with the story of his life. He was one of the judges. In fact, we find his story in the book of Judges, chapter 11. I'll, I'll read a few verses for you. Uh, but he was one of the judges of the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel went through this this cycle where they would trust God, live for God, experience the blessing of God, and then begin to turn from God, then reject God, then experience imprisonment, often slavery, extreme difficulty as the consequence of their sin, their rejection of God. God would bring a judge into the nation of Israel's life, the nation's life, and that judge would lead them back to a place of following God. Uh, we find those listed in the book of Judges. Jephthah was one of those guys, but not a common guy. When you think about judges, we would think maybe in terms of priests or pastor, perhaps. These were uh, warriors, certainly. They led armies and they did fighting, but they had a relationship with God and the call of God on their lives. So you can think of in those terms. Uh, this was not a guy, though. Jephthah was not a guy who grew up in a Christian home and went to Bible college and then seminary and then followed the path. That, that was not this guy. This was a guy who had everything against him, but who still decided to let God use him. He experiences an incredible victory that he makes a bad decision and others suffer because of the bad personal decision that he made. This is a crazy story, but some great lessons for us. Maybe that's you. I know a lot of people now at this point in my life, this, this kind of middle-aged point of my life, that struggled and fought and found success and lived for God and then made some bad decisions and had to deal with the consequences of those decisions. And now they're sitting back saying, what do I do? Man, this is a story for you. Jephthah's an interesting guy. I'm going to read a few verses. I have my Bible here. Uh, Judges chapter 11. And if you want some just great Bible stories, go to the book of Judges. They're pretty crazy. Uh, Judges chapter 11. Now Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty man of valor, and he was the son of an harlot. That's how this, this story starts. So we're, we're going to learn about Jephthah here. It says he was the son of a harlot. Now, if you want to have a background, a history, a starting point that does not set you up for success, this was it. We talk about dysfunction in families and all those things. Dysfunctional family, this guy, it was a mess. And it didn't start right. I don't know where your life has started, what your background is, when you look back, what you see over your shoulder. But I will tell you, God can use you in spite of that. Uh, he was a mighty man of valor, so he was brave, but he was the son of a harlot. And Gilead begat jo uh, Jephthah. So Gilead was his dad, had a relationship with a harlot, and uh, Jephthah was born. Verse 2, and Gilead's wife bare him sons. And his wife's sons grew up, and they thrust out Jephthah and said unto him, Thou shalt not inherit in our father's house, for thou art the son of a strange woman. Crazy, right? Crazy. Get what's happening here. So this guy has a relationship with a harlot, Gilead. The, the fruit of that relationship, if you will, is this man Jephthah. But then Gilead also has children by his own wife. Now, it looks like Gilead, the dad, tried to do the right thing. He took the son of the harlot and 
he brought that child, his child, into his home. But things were never the same. Uh, Jephthah was not the same as the other kids. He never really belonged. We see that because when Gilead apparently moves off the scene, uh, moves out of the house, apparently by death, the boys, the other kids, they throw Jephthah out. It's as if they said, look, our dad made a mistake and we had to deal with that, but now he's gone and you're out. You're not really a part of this family and we're not going to let you have anything that dad left for us. When we think about dysfunctional family situations, uh, uh, trauma in our past, I mean, think about that. It gives no indication that his mom, the harlot, was around. His dad, who tried to take care of him, is gone. And his half-siblings throw him out. He doesn't have a family. He has a past that certainly would not have propelled him to the top of uh, of society or the social scene. And he doesn't have anything in the physical sense. No property, no inheritance. He has nothing. The Bible tells us that God chooses to use the, the foolishness of the world to confound the wise. What I love about how God works is He rarely takes the person or the people that look like they're the ones. That's who you would pick. Most often, He takes people like Jephthah. Verse 3, Then Jephthah fled from his brethren and dwelt in the land of Tob, and there were gathered vain men to Jephthah and went out with him. Verse 3 is crazy too. This guy grew up thrown out of his family, and found friends. The Bible calls them vain men. These were foolish people. They were people just like him. Now, he was a man of valor. We're going to learn some things about the character of Jephthah and where all that came from. We don't know. Maybe his dad actually poured something into him. We don't really know. Uh, But he surrounded himself with people that reflected his own brokenness and his own hurt. Maybe that resonates with you. Because of your past, you have just accepted that this, your past, is going to be your future. He surrounded himself with vain people. Verse 4, And it came to pass in process of time that the children of Ammon made war against Israel. And it was so that when the children of Ammon made war against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to fetch Jephthah out of the land of Tob. And they said unto Jephthah, Come and be our captain, that we may fight with the children of Ammon. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, Did not ye hate me and expel me out of my father's house? And why are ye come unto me now when ye are in distress? And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, Therefore we turn again to thee now, that thou mayest go with us and fight against the children of Ammon and be our head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, If you bring me home again to fight against the children of Ammon and the Lord deliver them before me, shall I be your head? And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, The Lord be witness between us if we do not so according to thy words. Then Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead and the people made him head and captain over them. And Jephthah uttered all his words before the Lord in Mizpah. Jephthah was a man 
And again, we don't know where this came from. The Bible doesn't explain how he came to this. But Jephthah was a man who honored God and respected God and understood that success in whatever he was going to get involved in would be because of God. He was so connected to his past and so well aware of his circumstance that even when those who threw him out came to him and said, we need your help, he said, well, if God gives me victory, what will that do for you? And then it says, then when he was alone, after all of that had happened, he went and talked to God. He, he prayed to God. God will use him. He'll make a promise here to God later on that will have a devastating effect on his family. But he took his relationship with God very, very seriously. Maybe his dad taught him that. Again, we don't know. Maybe he came to that over the course of time in his life as an adult. But he was born to a harlot, brought into a home of people that hated him, thrown out. But because he was a man of valor, the Bible says, he was well known. He had a reputation for being someone who was brave and extremely capable when life became difficult for others, they knew where to go. There's a lot to be said there. And a big part of that is be consistent, be faithful, be the very best that you can be, whether people acknowledge it or understand it or see it or not. Because if you are consistent, a person of character, capable, (laughs) courageous, then when others need that in their lives, they'll know where to go. Um, I could give a lot of examples, but you just need to be consistent. We talked about this when we were uh, discussing Joshua. Be faithful in the little things. But there were a few things that I think we can learn from the life of Jephthah. And quickly, I want to share these with you because, man, these are so important. I, I've said this before. I say this a lot. But the Bible is is incredible because the characters that we are given in Scripture are not perfect people, but they're people that God used, people that had to make a decision to march when it would, would have been very easy and no one would have questioned them for staying where they were and dying. People who did the hard right thing instead of the easy wrong thing. Jephthah was one of those guys. What was a characteristic in Jephthah's life that allowed him to move forward. I've said this, probably alluded to it at least many times already. Uh, number one, he did not allow his past to define him. He did not allow his past to define him. If there was one issue, one, just one, if I could pick one thing I had to communicate to other people that will help them move forward, this is the one thing I would do my very best to communicate. You cannot allow your past. This is good or bad, by the way. Maybe you've been amazing in your past, and now you're not feeling so amazing. Well, you could come to the conclusion, I'll never be that amazing again, so this is where I am. I'm not going going forward. You're allowing your past, even a good past, to define you. We look at our past, and we think, well, if it's bad, I can't allow that to define me. Don't allow anything in your past to define you. Let it inform you. Let it motivate you. 
Uh, let it educate you, but do not let it define you. Uh, Jephthah said, I'm not going to be defined by my past, who my mom was, where I came from, how I've been treated. Romans chapter 14 and verse 12, very simple statement. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Every one of us shall give account of himself to God. You are responsible for how you respond to God's leading in your life. I love 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. If you're in Christ, you put your faith in Christ. You are uh, what the Bible calls born again. You've been born into the family of God, putting your faith, your hope, uh, your confidence in Jesus Christ and what he did for you on the cross. You are a Christian. The Bible says you're a new creation. Again, not changing your past, but you're no longer that thing. (laughs) Revelation 21 and verse 5, another wonderful verse. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. He makes all things new. What a truth. What made Jephthah successful? One, he refused to be defined by his past but number two he remembered god's work this really is the essence of faith we're not going forward blindly that's not what faith is about faith is about remembering what god has done Uh, it is looking to the examples of others who have gone forward by faith it's taking god at his word trusting that he can do what he says he will do and then living our lives according to it Uh, he this is jephthah remembered god's work let me read a, a verse to you verse 17 then israel sent messengers unto the king of edom and saying Let me, I pray thee, pass through thy land. But the king of Edom would not hearken thereto. And in like manner they sent unto the king of Moab, but he would not consent, and Israel abode in Kadesh. Verse 18, Then they went along through the wilderness, encompassed the land of Edom and the land of Moab, and came by the east side of the land of Moab, and pitched on the other side of Arnon, but came not within the border of Moab, for Arnon was on the border of Moab. And Israel sent messengers unto Sion, king of Amorites, the king of Heshbon. And Israel said unto him, Let us pass, we pray thee, through thy land unto my place. But Zion trusted not Israel to pass through the coast, but Zion gathered all his people together and pitched in Jahaz and fought against Israel. And the Lord God of Israel delivered Zion uh, Zion and all his people unto the hand of Israel, and they smote them. So Israel possessed all the land of the Amorites, the inhabitants of that country. Um, This passage, these verses 17 through 20, uh, talk about how Jephthah was trying to just get permission to pass through the land. No one would accept him. No one would accept the nation, and it ended in a battle that God uh, brought to fruition. If we went back up to verse number 12, And Jephthah sent messengers unto the king of the children of Ammon, saying, What hast thou to do with me, that thou art come against me to fight in my land? The king answered, verse 14, And Jephthah sent messengers again unto the king of the children of Ammon, and said unto him, Thus saith Jephthah, Israel took not away the land of Moab, nor the land of the children of Ammon. But when Israel came up from Egypt, and walked through the wilderness under the Red Sea, and came to Kadesh, he is reminding those who he will eventually fight with, that their fight is not with him, and their fight is not with the nation of Israel. 
but their fight is with the one who delivered them from Egypt. You need to go back and look at these verses, but the the context here and the order is very important. He goes from kingdom to kingdom, from area to area, from uh, municipality, if you will, to municipality, dealing with both kings and lesser rulers, uh, trying to get them, allow them to pass through the land, and everyone rejects him. Eventually there's a battle and God uh, brings the nation of Israel out of that victorious. God uh, does exactly what God said he would do. But that conversation begins with Jephthah saying, look, this is not about you and it's not about me. It's about God. And if you go back, he's reminding them, go back to when this whole thing started. We were slaves God delivered us from the most powerful nation on the planet, Egypt. And he saved us by parting the Red Sea and then in that same Red Sea destroying the Egyptian army. He remembered God's work. How has God worked in your life? This is such an important question and one you need to revisit often. How has God worked in your life? What has God done in your life? How has God answered your prayers? Do you remember the work of God? Romans 10, 17, faith faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We go to God's word to remember. Luke chapter 22 and verse 19, and he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. When Jesus was teaching uh, the disciples how to remember his death, burial and resurrection on the cross, the fact that he died or would in their place, he said, look, take bread and and take the the grape juice and, and allow these to represent my broken body and my shed blood for you remember don't forget what i have done for you we so quickly forget what god has done for us god blesses god preserves god provides and we move on to something else because we feel overwhelmed we feel as though we need or there's some kind of fear that comes into our life or our past is continuing to drag us back we forget what god has done jephthah said look this fight i'm willing to lead it but it's not about me god's already done it and guess what he's going to do it again and you (laughs) uh, rulers local despots You get to decide if you want to be in the way when God does what God will do. He remembered God's work. This last part, it's a sad part of the story. I'll read it to you. It's such a sad part of what happens here. Verse number 30. Battles have taken place. Another one is going to take place. Uh, Verse 29. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, and he passed over Gilead and Manasseh, and passed over Mizpah and Gilead. And from Mizpah of Gilead, he passed over unto the children of Ammon. Spirit of the Lord came on him. Verse 30. And Jephthah vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou shalt without fail deliver the children of Ammon into mine hands, then it shall be that whatsoever cometh forth of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the children of Ammon shall surely be the Lord's and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. 
So Jephthah passed over unto the children of Ammon to fight against them, and the children delivered, uh, and the Lord delivered them into his hands. And he smote them from Aroer, even till thou come to Minneth, even twenty cities, and unto the plain of the vineyards, with a very great slaughter. Thus the children of Ammon were subdued before the children of Israel. So check this out. We'll get to the next verse in, in, in a second. But if you haven't heard this story, God is using him. He's leading the children of Israel through the land. They're fighting enemies. They come to a place where the Spirit of the Lord empowers Jephthah. And he says, he vows a vow to God. God, look, if you give us victory in this, when I get home, <laughs> you give us victory. When I get home, the first thing that comes out of my house, I will sacrifice to you. It's going to be for you. He vows a vow. It was foolish. And frankly, if you read the passage, there's no indication that God would not have continued to do what God was already doing had he not vowed the vow. It was foolish. Victory came. It was incredible. Verse 34. And Jephthah came to Mizpah unto his house. And behold, his daughter came out to meet him with timbrels and with dances. And she was his only child. Beside her, he had neither son nor daughter. And it came to pass when he saw her that he rent his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, thou hast brought me very low, and thou art one of them that trouble me, for I have opened my mouth unto the Lord, and I cannot go back. And she said unto him, My father, if thou hast opened thy mouth unto the Lord, do to me according to that which hath proceeded out of thy mouth, forasmuch as the Lord hath taken vengeance for thee of thine enemies, even of the children of Ammon. And she said unto her father, Let this thing be done for me. Let me alone two months, that I may go up and down upon the mountains and bewail my virginity, I and my fellows. And he said, Go. And he sent her away for two months, and she went up with her companions and bewailed her virginity upon the mountains. And it came to pass at the end of two months that she returned unto her father, who did with her according to his vow, which she had vowed. And she knew no man, and it was a custom in Israel that the daughters of Israel went yearly to lament the daughter of Jephthah, the Gileadite, four days in a year. This is a crazy story. He vowed a vow. God, whatever comes out of my house, the first thing I see, I will sacrifice to you. And the first person to come out of his house, the first thing that came out of his house was his daughter, his only child. He was brokenhearted. But he had vowed a vow. He had made a promise to God. He expressed his brokenheartedness and explained the promise to his daughter. And she said, look, if you have vowed a vow to God, you've got to keep the promise. Now, what exactly Jephthah did with his daughter is not extremely clear in the passage. I believe personally that he did not sacrifice her in the sense of a burnt offering. The fact that she went and bewailed her virginity, it says she didn't know a man. Uh, it gives the indication that she was just put away. She would not have children. She would not have a family. Sacrificed in that sense. His future was sacrificed. Uh, offspring were sacrificed. Her life, essentially, as a young woman in Israel, was sacrificed. The point, however, is this. Jephthah was a man that honored God above all else. A foolish vow, but one that he honored because he made it to God. I wonder, are you someone that honors God above all else? In the United States, we culturally 
act as though children, our families are the most important thing in our life. Nothing is more important than that. Um, and if you want to argue that, uh, there are a lot of good Christian church-going families that spend months away from church because they're at soccer games, right? Uh, children, more important than anything else. Principally, the hierarchy should be our relationship with God, our relationship with our spouse, and then our family, and then everything beneath that. And Jephthah understood that. He honored God above everything else. It seems as though, as well, he raised his daughter to honor God above all else. Ephesians 6, 4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Ecclesiastes 12, 13, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. He made a foolish vow, but in following through on that vow, I think he was reflecting his life before God. Why did God choose to use this man? Because he refused to allow his past to define him because he remembered what God had done, but because throughout his life, he honored God above all else. If God has put you on this planet and kept you alive, then God has a plan for you, a purpose for you, something that he wants to accomplish through you. And when you decide to stay where you are, to kick it into neutral, uh, to give up, you are honoring yourself, your circumstance, uh, the trauma, the difficulty, the obstacles. You are honoring everything else above God. And Jephthah teaches us that God uses people who have a character, a history of honoring Him above all else. What a great character, this guy, Jephthah. Man, I, I can't imagine the broken heartedness he must have experienced. A foolish vow. But he was a guy who lived a life very close <laughs> to the one many of us would have experienced. Maybe many of you have experienced not coming from a great home, a broken situation, rejected, cast out, ridiculed. And yet he continued to press forward for God. He decided to march when it would have been much easier to stay where he was and die. I wonder, what about you? I uh, appreciate you uh, listening and watching, of course. Please take some time to subscribe. Do that right now. Don't waste any time. Subscribe. That's the most important thing you can do for the show. That allows the show, obviously, to get into more places as well. I don't know if it's obvious or not, but it does. It allows the show to get into more places, and uh, that would be fantastic. Um, take some time. Go to jeremystonlicker.com. You can find every piece of contact information about myself as well as my blog. All of that is there, so please check that out. That would be fantastic as well. And then take some time. Go to Life Audio, lifeaudio.com. You can find other tremendous podcasts, great content, uh, great uh, hosts there, just a wonderful place. If you are interested in faith-focused content. That's the place to go, lifeaudio.com. So please go and check that out. And I will remind you when life is overwhelming, when it seems like the enemy is right on top of you, you only have two choices. 
You can stay where you are and die. Or, better yet, you can march. What are you going to do? Thank you. Many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone. This self-isolation has led to the staggering statistic of more than 20 veterans taking their lives every day. The mission of Mighty Oaks is to eradicate the veteran suicide epidemic and help our warriors change their legacies. We've been able to help over 4,000 veterans and first responders by equipping them with the tools they need to live the lives they were created to live. Our faith-based, peer-to-peer approach has one of the highest success rates of any program available today, offering hope and understanding to those who need it most. By aligning their lives to biblical principles, these men and women are able to lead their families, their communities, and our nation. It's your generosity that can make a difference in the lives of the men and women who have fought for our country and our freedoms. Now that they're home, don't let them fight alone. Learn more at MightyOaksPrograms.org. Well, the physician comes in and says, tells this lovely couple, hey, your son's not going to make it. But there's a young girl here in the hospital who just delivered a baby girl, and she's given her up. She's going to leave her here. Do you want her instead? That was chart topper Ryan Stevenson sharing a personal testimony on The Walk, a podcast for worshipers. Join us weekly to hear artists, songwriters, worship leaders, filmmakers, and other creatives tell their stories in the form of a devotional. The Walk can be found on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast platform.